I'm glad that you're here today, and I want to thank you for coming. I want to thank those that are online. My name is Mona Stevens. I'm the lead pastor of this church, and we are going through part two of the Why the Nativity. Now, why is the Christmas story so important? We heard the question last week, why the Nativity? And we came to the conclusion that the Nativity was done and given to us for us. He came for us. And, you know, the word, a lot of people, somebody asked me just last week, what does the word nativity mean? And sometimes we just take it for granted. So let me tell you what nativity is just a fancy word that means birth. That's what it means. My nativity, my birth, was in Ottawa. That's where I was born and raised. But this story, this nativity, is the process and circumstances of someone being born. But the someone we're talking about is Jesus. You see, Christmas is all about God sending his son into the world as part of his plan to bring salvation to every to people everywhere. It's not just for a few. It, you know, the church is open for all, and, and we can all get that same understanding of nativity. But it isn't amazing that with the hub and all of the stuff that goes on, the story of Jesus doesn't get told anywhere else unless you come to church and unless you, you actually go and read it for yourself. So if we do the recap real quick for those that weren't there last week, Doug brought it through, and he brought why did Jesus have to come? He said that now I give you the, four, the five, the five uh, points, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of a recap on those five points. Jesus became a man to satisfy the prophecies of the Old Testament. Now, the word prophecy is another word that we use, we know, but what it really means is a statement that says what is going to happen in the future. For us as Christian, it is an inspired declaration of divine will and purpose. See, more than 300 Old Testament prophecies about Jesus had been fulfilled. Many different writers were inspired at various times over many centuries, and yet all together they show a glimmer of a savior, a king who would rescue his people and restore them to God. This is the big picture. Secondly, he says Jesus became a man to show us the Father. John 14, 8 and 9, it says, He who, who has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus came to reveal who the Father is. And so many of us have said, well, you know, what's the Father like? You know, how, how do we know what God looks like? We only have to go and see how Jesus walked. And that's in the Gospels. We see his story in the Gospels. And then we know that he asked the third that. The third reason was that Jesus became man to save us from our sin. Now, I'm going to quote something from Dr. Jeremiah, which, I'm going to, uh, which I think you're going to find pretty interesting. Dr. Jeremiah says this, If Christ had not come, the course of humanity would be one long downward, hopeless drudge towards the eternal night of despair. Whoa, <laughs> he has a way with words. And, but when he said that, he continues to say this, but Almighty God interrupted all of that, and he decided to shut down the cycle of sin by sending Jesus to be our Savior. If you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, you cannot know Jesus, and without knowing him, you cannot know God. And without accepting Jesus, you cannot be forgiven. 
That's the purpose of his coming, is to forgive our sin and to be restored and reconciled back to God. Now, the next reason he gave last week was Jesus became man to sympathize with our weakness. Now, I love this one because he did all, experienced all, but he never sinned. That means he saw what humanity could ditch out. He experienced it, but he never sinned in it. So because he knows all things, we can go to him. Whatever is going on in your life right now, you can call out to Jesus and he would understand exactly what you're going through. You see, because he came down and he experienced it. I know that for us, not understanding who he is as a father, who Jesus is, sometimes we just want to do the particulars and just get ourselves buried in the activity. But I'm telling you, don't get buried in the activity. Go back to the message. The last reason he said last week why Jesus came is that Jesus became a man to secure our hope of heaven. He came down so that we could go up. Again, Dr. Jeremiah says this, until Christ comes to live within your heart, you are not fit for heaven. The only way you can live in heaven is with Christ in you. There is only one way to God. You come to God by coming to Jesus because Jesus is God. And one day, if we will live until he returns for all of us, we should be living with an anticipation of always knowing that Jesus is coming back a second time. Everything he said about the first coming should give us assurance that the second coming is a done deal. Because everything he proclaimed for the first coming of Jesus when he came as a baby, he says it too in the scriptures that whenever he comes a second time, all of those prophecies will be fulfilled and we are seeing it happening right now if we are connoisseurs of the news and if we understand spiritually the fight that is going on we will come to the same conclusion whoa we need to be ready i want to be ready for his return we know that because of all of what's going to be precisely done, because that's who God is, we can understand that he's a sure foundation for us. He's unchangeable, unstoppable, and unmovable. And that is why you need to go back to the message. That is why you shouldn't bury yourself in doing and serving. Yet those things will come. You should be relating to the person of Jesus Christ this Christmas. You should come back and say, God, I know that you want me to pour out my life this Christmas to those that are more needy than I am, but let me not forget what was won for me first. Now today, we are going to answer the question, why Joseph? And I want to show the evidence that how God could use ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. I want to bring Joseph the man and God the plan together. I want to show you how it intercepted. God always had a plan, and he, always going, he was always going to fulfill his prophecies. But do you understand that he needs people in order to hear and to take the invitation when he calls you? You see, when we get revelation, that's just one thing. But the revelation means nothing if you're not going to say yes to the invitation. 
Joseph was given an invitation at that particular moment in his life, and we're going to see what it, what it was. But I want to focus first on the one thing that I felt that I needed to pull from this message. I could have given you, I'm going to give you a little bit about Joseph's story so you can get the bigger picture about him. But really, truly, I wanted to know how did the man intercept the plan? How was he part of something so amazing that many of us, we miss the whole story of Joseph. What does the Bible say about extraordinary? Because that's what it's all about. How did God use an ordinary man and use him for something extraordinary? So the word really means this in the Bible. Extraordinary means going beyond what is usual, ordinary, regular, or established. It's going beyond those three. The dictionary says this, exceptional in character, noteworthy, and remarkable. Now, in today's society, we have a different definition of being what being extraordinary looks like. We focus on our talents. We focus on people's what they look like and their giftings about their title. And they say, well, that's why they're going to be extraordinary. But I beg to defer. According to Joseph, God wasn't even looking to any of that. He was looking to his heart. We understand that Joseph had an exceptional character because that's what the Bible says. God chose Joseph because of, his, because of who he was and what he was. He was a man of integrity. Let me show you what the definition of integrity means. Spiritual integrity is the state of being undivided. Together with the quality of being brutally self-honest. That means you're honest with what you, what you see. You see, a lot of us, we cloak. You know, pride cloaks everything. And that's why so many of us get so bogged down at Christmas because we have not spent the time to be honest enough to go after those issues that keep us out of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We are not honest enough when we're angry to call it anger. We're not honest enough when we are sad and anxious to call it for what it is. And sometimes because we don't take full responsibility, we stay in this place of blaming, projecting, and justifying, and excusing ourselves. Now, Joseph, as you saw in his life, he never did any of that, but he could have. He could have. He was extraordinary because he was honest. Now, another definition of spiritual integrity means integrity demands an uncompromising conviction and a willingness to be authentic uncompromising conviction. Integrity is the act of beha behaving honorably even when no one is watching. So here are a few attributes which you will see in the life of Joseph if you are willing to keep your eyes open for it. The attributes of someone who's uh, who walks in integrity is that they are gracious. That means they give a lot of forgiveness. They are gracious. Gracious is about dwelling. It's about giving even though that there's no merit for it. Graciousness. Respectful. He, you know, being respectful is really having a value of other people's times and in their, uh, other people's life. Many of us, we just skim over other people's lives and we don't show respect. Honest. That means that he strove for, for, to, to be truthful. Trustworthy is to follow through on your commitments. That's what trustworthy is. You're going to see this in Joseph's life over and over and over again. 
hardworking. This is another attribute of a person of integrity. They don't go with the flow. They strive to produce the work regardless of the task. People of integrity are responsible. They keep themselves accountable in their actions, accountable to something greater and higher than themselves. They are helpful. They help those in need, and they are patient. That means they tolerate changes, challenges, by maintaining a calm and even demeanor. Youch. Now, I don't know about you, but when I started looking at all that, I'm going, wow. Are you getting a wow moment, too? Okay, so it's not just me. Joseph, the man who was chosen to be the adoptive father of the Lord, the one who would protect the infancy of the Savior of the world, was such a man of this. He was a man of integrity, a man of character. This story, the the whole story of Joseph is pretty amazing. But when you look at the history, they actually call him the forgotten man of Christmas. In the word of God, Joseph stands silent. He is spoken to, he is spoken about, but not a single syllable crosses his lips. He is viewed by many people as just an extra at the Christmas drama. But whoa, when you start looking at his life and what he stood for, you got to understand that this ordinary man was about to be used extraordinarily by God because God had a plan to fulfill and he was looking for specific things. This ordinary man accomplished the extraordinary, not because of his standing, not because of his possessions, not because of anything of what he looked like, but the choices that he made made him extraordinary. The things that he did, despite how tough it was, he stayed non-compromising. He understood that this was so much bigger than him, even though he was there where there was a lot of uncertainty. He was honorable, he was trustworthy, and he was patient. There's a quote by Martin Luther King that says, The ultimate measure of a man or a woman is not where he stands in the moment, moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. We are about to hear his story. I was full of controversy. Joseph was faced with a dilemma. Though engaged to Mary, which this was already prearranged for many, many years, they, they were raised up together. They knew each other for years. But he was engaged to Mary. While he was engaged to Mary, Mary, his wife-to-be, was found with child. Huh. I don't know about you, but that might have shaken my world, which it had shaken his Matthew 1.18 says, before they came together, before they were together as man and wife, before they had actually consummated their marriage, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. What he knew of God's law, God's prophecy, what he knew, what he was going through right now, he was caught between what God says and what what, what made sense. God said one thing, and this thing, again, didn't make sense to him, but yet these two things collided. How many times, how many times have you and I have been, been caught between, between what God says and what makes sense? 
How many times do we choose what makes sense over and above what God says? Can we do the amen again? All right, I just want to make sure that it's not too hot in here and you fall asleep on me because the story unfolds. Are you ready? Yet Joseph didn't let his confusion, his, his, his uncertainty disrupt his obedience. He didn't know everything, but he did know what he needed to do. He needed to, he needed to seek the Lord. He didn't want to condemn Mary, but he couldn't fully justify her pregnancy. He wanted to uphold the law, the, the spirit of the law, and yet he was stuck. Why? Because he loved her. He loved her deeply. And you see that in scripture because he says he, didn't, he wanted to shield her from the shame of divorce. This is not a man that did not dwell with understanding with his wife. This is not a man that said, well, she made that mess. She's going to do it by herself. That's her mess and not mine. Beloved, do you not understand when God brings a man and a woman together, they go through this together until the end. But bitterness comes in, rebellion comes in, and then we tend to, under, tend to wonder why. Why is our marriage is so in chaos? Because I truly believe that we've walked away from God's word and then we went to what makes sense to us. Amen. And every time we do, we bring destruction. But Joseph did not do this. He sought God. He knew he was stuck. To be obedient to God, Joseph was willing to give up the woman he so dearly loved. And according to Matthew 1, as I said, he shielded, he wanted to shield Mary and divorce her very quietly. And so he thought. Instead of responding in anger to what he had heard about his wife-to-be, or giving Mary evil for evil, isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we do? We just go to our defaults instead of understanding that God had a bigger plan. He didn't go to that. He decides to pull away and stay quiet. And while he was pondering, an angel of the Lord appears to him and says this to him in Matthew 1.20. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. I can only imagine the relief that he felt because he had heard God's voice. Joseph finally understood that even though he didn't know everything, he knew that God had orchestrated this moment. He decides to obey the instructions even though he didn't have all the answers. Oh my goodness, so many of us, we only make decisions and go forward only if we have all the answers. It takes no faith to do that. But Joseph, in the pattern of faith, in the pattern of understanding, he moves forward. He decides to listen and to obey. He trusted God's faithfulness over his circumstances. I don't know what you're going through right now. And so many of us, we've heard about God's faithfulness, but so many of us, instead of actually listening to his voice, we go to what makes sense. And because of it, we never see the story get unfolded in our lives, in the lives of our marriage, in the lives of our children. And beloved, it really is a very high cost, isn't it? 
but Moses, he actually decided to trust his faithfulness over his circumstances, and he obeyed all of the instructions given to him. He was a man of integrity and character. And amazingly, Joseph, who never spoke a word, yet his actions today speak much louder to us. You know, your actions speak very loud. And sometimes we're so concerned about what we're going to say that we forget about how we do things. Because every act, every choice, every decision sends a message, doesn't it? And so we need to be careful. Joseph wanted to glorify God. And yet I know that as you hear this story, there's something that's tugging at your heart today. We learn through this story that when we trust and obey God, he mysteriously unfolds his plan and purposes for us. And this is the case for the whole world. So for you and I, if you know that God has already revealed something to you and he's knocking at your door, the revelation has to be actually, you have to open the door and walk through the door in order to see what God and how God will unfold this in your life. But because you walk in what makes sense to you instead of what God says, you never go through the door. You don't even answer it. Revelation is just revelation, beloved. And many of us, we stay in a place of darkness and defeat because we don't understand our part where God's plan of restoration meets up with God's, with man's heart, man's character, man's integrity, or women. I say man, but the women are in there too. I fall into that as well. And now, we answered the question about why Joseph the man, why, was, why the, the ordinary became extraordinary. It was because he was a man of integrity, non-compromising, willing, trustworthy, patient, gracious. He was hardworking. He understood. Now I want to speak to you very quickly on how God fulfill, fulfilled his prophecy, his word, through Joseph's life. God speaks. Jesus, Joseph takes action. Mm. Maybe if that's the only thing you actually get from today, God is speaking. Will you take action? Beloved, this is why we become hard heart is that God has already told us what the sin is in our life. He's already told us our attitude. He's already told us what our choices have done. He's already showed us why it's happened this way. And now he needs you to take action. Joseph took action over and over again. Matthew 1, 23 goes on to reveal that Jesus' uh, virgin birth fulfilled what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, where it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. The Lord further instructed Joseph that the child's name would be Jesus, for he would save his people from their sins. And in verse 25, he sees that Joseph does exactly what he was told. No wonder what was ordinary became extraordinary. He showed his obedience to God at every turn. Joseph was chosen by God to be Jesus' adoptive father, and as such, he played a magnificent, enormous role. But to further fulfill God's plan, 
Joseph needed to be a carpenter. He needed to come from the house of David. Not only that, God needed a man who was sturdy, stable, and practical, yet sensitive to the voice of God. He needed one who would stand quietly with the virgin who was going to get ridiculed and yet still stay with her because she was carrying the hope of the world in her womb. Joseph was strong but compassionate. He was able to lead in love and encourage the mother of Christ at every junction because we understand their life was not easy. Joseph, as the man of the house, also would have taught Jesus his first lessons of God's law. What a, what a role. But most of all, ultimately, by marrying Mary, he would give Jesus the true legal status because he was of the house and the lineage of David. See, Jesus needed that lineage in order for him to do what he needed to do. And when you start understanding all of the fulfilled prophecies, how could we not believe in Christmas? How could we not, well, how can we diminish it to all of the things that we have done in the last many years? How can we enter in Christmas this year without a thankful heart, or a heart of gratefulness saying, God, you mentioned, you thought, you knew, and you did every single thing in order to save us. <coughs> I love this quote. G Joseph was the man to humbly and silently step back and let God step forward. You know, when we are hurt and broken and offended, we don't humbly and silently step back. We step forward in our own strength, trying to figure it out, trying to make sense of the pain. But what if I told you that's why Jesus came? What if I told you the man, Joseph, shows us, shows us what we need to do with our pain, what we need to do with our anxiety, what we need to do with our, uh, just the controversies and all of the uncertainty in our life? See, one of the lessons that I'm coming to an end one of the lessons that comes from the life of Joseph is this, is that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords came to take up residence in the most ordinary life, Joseph. Again, he took his life and created extraordinary things through it. See, the greatest somebody, Jesus, who ever lived, came to the nobodies like Joseph, Mary, like me and you, and he uses them in extraordinary ways if only we would choose to step back and let him do what he needs to do. 1 Corinthians 26, 27 says this, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Hmm, have you ever taken the time to do that? Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Joseph's attitude uh, to, towards the situation and towards God is what God is looking for to bring the ordinary to the extraordinary. 
See, Proverbs 21, I think it's 21, I didn't write it down, but it came to me this morning, says, the man who walks in integrity will walk in a place of security. I love that because when we choose not to compromise on what we believe, when we are morally, you know, we choose the moral high road, when we are ethically good at what we do because we know we're doing it as unto someone else, people notice. People notice and God uses us. Now, Joseph walked in integrity and he was secure. But not only that, he actually kept on being gracious to the things that were happening to Mary. He was actually hardworking and trustworthy, committed to Mary and this child because God told him to. Now, the question I need to ask you this morning is that are you willing to say, Lord, I will serve you anywhere, anytime, at any cost? See, that's what Jesus shows. That's what Joseph shows, I should say. This is the road we should take, but for many here today, saying yes to God is difficult because you don't believe he's good. You don't believe that he is faithful, that he will provide. And unfortunately, instead of listening to what God is saying, you will go to what makes sense to you. For me, every time I recognize, even though that I don't understand, that I recognize that God is asking me to obey, and I do, I usually experience the unfolding of his plan in my life, through me, and through others. And I think this is what's missing in most of our lives, is that even though that God is knocking at your door, revealing himself to you, you're never actually opening the door and walking through. And I believe that today that's what God is asking us to do. See, God reserves the right to give us what we need to know as we need to know it and reveals the rest in due time. But so many of us, because we don't know him as faithful, we become very, very anxious and fretful when God doesn't show us all things or things don't work out the way they should be. See, Joseph and Mary could not possibly have known the eternal things that would happen from their obedience. And sometimes you will not know what will happen from your obedience. What, God, what is God asking you to do? Is he asking you to start developing these attributes of being a man of integrity or a woman of integrity? Is he asking you to let go and to forgive those that have failed you? Is he asking you to embrace the truth that if you come to him, you can be set free of the chains and the bondage of fear, of anxiety, and all of the depression that comes with it? I want to thank God today for the indescribable gift that he's given me through Jesus and this is what we see in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. What unfolded from Joseph, Mary, and Jesus' obedience makes it possible for us here today to be part of that redemptive story. That means we were bought back at a price. This story makes it possible for everyone to receive salvation. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can do so today and see your life 
go from ordinary, because you know, Joseph had ordinary desires to be a carpenter, to, to go to, 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 to church and to raise a family. He had ordinary desires like you and I. But God chose this man because of his exceptional character of always choosing the right path, which is what integrity does, despite not knowing all of the information. He trusted something bigger than himself. And today, that's what it means to come to Jesus, that you trust something bigger than yourself to overcome what you are going through. I have tried everything, but many, many years ago, I came to the conclusion I could not manage my life. I could not bring freedom to my life, nor could I actually have power or control to keep myself from being hurt. And that is when I turn to the God who is much bigger than me. And as I have obeyed over the 36 years that I've been with the Lord, I have seen his plan unfold in my life. Do you want to see? Do you want to trust Jesus as your Savior today? Would you say yes to him? And if you do, as you listen to this song, come on up. Let us pray for you. For those that are online, please don't hesitate. Don't wait another day. Things are about to happen. And I know that God is calling your name. He's asking you to come home. He's asking you to come to him. For those that are here that have walked with God and you've heard his word, but you'd rather go to what makes sense, then you're stuck, beloved. There's no other way to say it. You've made that choice, but God says, I am calling out my bride out of darkness today. But he needs you to take action. He needs you to humbly, silently move forward so that God can step forward for you. He will not do it unless you invite him in. You might be asking yourself why the Christmas story is so important. Why is the nativity story for today and not just for Joseph and Mary, the shepherds and the wise men many years ago? Why do we need to believe in Jesus today? We should believe in Jesus because he believes in us. Jesus was God in the flesh and he loved us so much that he came to earth for you and for me. He believed in us enough to appear as a human being who was like us in every way except without sin. John 1.14 says, And the Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus invites us to a life that makes sense and gives us the only workable strategy for living a happy and fulfilling life. Looking out for our own interests leads to self-destruction and despair. When left to our own devices, we are sinful people who go against God's truth for us. Yet, 
Jesus spoke of living by love and unselfishness. He showed us that life is fuller and more satisfying when we devote ourselves to loving and serving one another. John 15:12 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus lives today, and he longs to live within us. Jesus is just as alive today as he was in the first century, and we can have a much closer relationship with him than those who knew him when he walked the earth. When it came time for him to leave this world, Jesus told the disciples that the Holy Spirit would come after he left. If Christ becomes our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit permanently makes his home within us. We are never alone, nor are we left to our own limited resources. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Because God is holy and just, he must deal with our sin, the wrong things we do. God loves us so much that he made a way to rescue us from sin. He sent his son Jesus to earth, and Jesus' mission was to rescue us. Jesus rescued all of us from sin by living a perfect life, dying on the cross, and rising again on the third day. He took the punishment for our sins so we could spend eternity with God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 The gift of salvation is free. To receive God's forgiveness, you simply just need to ask him to forgive you for your sin. And here is a simple suggestion for you to pray. Jesus, I believe in you. I know that you have loved me from the beginning. And now I choose to love you too. I realize that when you died, you had my sins in mind. And I cannot live a life of joy and peace apart from you. So I accept the gift of your forgiveness and rejoice that my debt of sin is paid in full. Come into my life and guide me for the rest of my days. I now belong completely to you and I will follow you as my Lord and my Savior forever. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior, let me be the first to say, congratulations! We encourage you to find a local church family 
to help strengthen you as you walk forward in your faith. We would be honored to welcome you to Living Hope Church. May God bless you this Christmas.